Well, look, let's, uh, let's jump into John chapter 13. If you've got a Bible with you, go ahead and find John 13. Uh, if you've got it on your phone, go ahead and just open up that app and find John 13. I'm going to be in verses 34 and 35. Uh, it's awesome how God, you can see the hand of God working where things are going to be happening and, and you didn't even know they were going to be happening when you planned something. Uh, we planned this message calendar uh, about a year ago. Actually, it was, it was probably, I think I, I went away, I think last September, and we planned out the calendar for all of 2015. And so, so we knew that on this Sunday that we were going to start this series called One Another. And, uh, and it's, and, and, but looking back on it now and seeing what's happening now with the church, with me making a transition, I think it's so important that we talk about these things right now. And God knew that was coming. And so even as I was planning something, didn't even know this opportunity was out there, God had that in mind. And so, so we're going to talk for the next several weeks and, uh, and, and throughout the summer about the one another's in the Bible, the one another's. Now, what are the one another's? Well, the one another's are the, are the, the verses that you find in Scripture where, where Jesus and other people are teaching and they talk about, okay, if you're a, if you're a community of believers, you're a church, then you should love one another, serve one another, help one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens. And so there's all these, these teachings about what we should do for one another. And it's so extremely important because if we're going to do church the right way, see, here, here's the, the problem I think sometimes we have when we think about church. We think about church as just a place where you, you just gather together, you see how many rear ends you can get in seats, and then you count them up, and then you decide, oh, it was good or bad day based on how many rear ends you had in seats at one place. That's not what church is all about. That's not what New Testament church is all about. You know what the New Testament church was about? It was about people living together in community. In fact, it was not just people living together in community, but it was a community of people living together uh, and doing life on mission. So, so they're living life together, and they're doing that together on mission. That they've got a mission that they're trying to accomplish, which is to take this great, great story of the gospel and to take it to every corner of the earth, to tell as many people as possible about the fact that Jesus died on the cross, the fact that Jesus was raised again three days later, and we want as many people as possible to know about that. And so that's what church is. It's we're, we're supposed to be living life together in community. So it should be more than we just sit together and I see you across the way and, and that's it. We're supposed to be involved in one another's lives. We're supposed to be up in each other's business. We're supposed to know what's happening. We're supposed to be trying to help one another. And so that's why these one another's are so important. Because listen, when we talk about trying to be a New Testament church, that's kind of a weird thing because the New Testament was a long time ago, wasn't it? It was like about 2,000 years ago. And so if I say, hey, let's be a New Testament church, let's do things exactly the way they did in the New Testament, you don't want that. If we did things exactly the way they did in the New Testament, we'd be sitting outside in the heat right now. And some of you are like, I can't handle that kind of New Testament church, especially in South Carolina in July. Uh, and, you know, there, so there's a lot of other things that would, that would be going on that would be different. Ladies, you would all have uh, your heads covered. You wouldn't have any jewelry on either. Some of y'all don't want to, to be wearing a hat. Do you? I know my wife hates to wear hats. And if she had to wear a hat coming to church, she probably would never come to church. So we don't want to do New Testament church just the way they always did it. But here's the, the part about the New Testament church that we do want. We want the basic essence of it, which is to be living life together in community and to, and to be doing that together on mission. And, and the one another's, the one another's are so important 
if we're going to do that. Uh, in fact, I would say that, um, you know, even uh, <clears throat> how many of you, when you started driving, uh, you didn't know anything about a car except that you just turned the steering wheel. I mean, there's some of you, you know, others of you, you grew up working on cars and that kind of stuff. I had a buddy of mine that uh, when he got his car and he started driving, and it was, a, uh, it was an old uh, Cutlass, and uh, those old Cutlasses back in the 80s, they all burned oil, and, uh, and his Cutlass uh, burnt oil, and, and so he started driving, and the oil light came on, he never did anything about it. And he just drove it, drove it, drove it, till one day it threw a rod, and he had to have, replace the whole engine because he didn't know anything about oil. But even my stupid friend who, who had that car, even he knew that you had to put gas in a car to make it go, right? Even the most ignorant person who drives understands that you, if you don't put gas in that thing, it's not going to go anywhere. The one another's, the one another's are the fuel for the church. When we are doing the one another's, when we're loving one another, forgiving one another, bearing one another's burdens, helping one another, doing all those things, then that enables the church to move, to go where it needs to go. If we neglect the one another's, then the church comes to a standstill. It just comes to a stop. And so this is so important what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. So let's start with John 13, 34 and 35. This is the most important one another there is, and here's why. It's so important because if we don't do this one, then none of the other ones that we're going to talk about for the next few weeks will happen. It's all based on this one. John 13, 34, and 35 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So the first one another we're talking about today, write it on your notes, write it across the top of the page, is love one another. Love one another. Now, there's a couple of things that are important about this right off the bat if you're looking at this. One of them is, uh, how many of you are looking at a Bible that, uh, that has colors uh, or, or you're looking at a page that has colors? What color are these words that, that you're reading there? Does anybody have one of those? Shout it out. Red. What does that mean if the color's in red? It means that Jesus spoke that, right? I grew up in church, and I remember looking at a Bible and asking my daddy when I was little, why are some of these in red? And daddy said, oh, that's what Jesus said. You need to pay real close attention to those. Now, all the words in the Bible are good, but, but anytime you see something in red, Jesus spoke that. So you need to pay extra, extra attention. So that's the first thing that makes this really important. Here's the second thing that makes this really important. Jesus not only, is, it's not only that Jesus spoke this, but it's when he spoke this. See, he was coming towards the end of his time on earth. In fact, if you look at John 13, 1, which is the beginning of the chapter uh, there, it says this, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So Jesus is understanding here that his time is running out. His time on earth, he's been hanging out with these guys for three years. They've been living life in community. He's been trying to teach them, trying to help them understand what it really means to be his follower, what it really means to love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And so he's, these are like final words. And so think about this. All the things Jesus could teach about, that one of the things he chose, that this is one of the last times he's going to be talking to his disciples, one of the things he chose to tell them is, you must love one another. So that should get our attention. Now, now there's, a, there's something in this verse that's really important here that, that we need to notice because Jesus doesn't just say you love one another, but he tells us how to do that. And the first thing that I want you to write down if you're taking notes under where it says love one another, write this. The standard is to love like Jesus. 
The standard is to love like Jesus. Now, all right, so he says there in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now, does the teaching of love one another really need to be clarified by saying this is how you do it? I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? Love one another. Why does Jesus have to add anything to it? Well, let me ask those of you who are parents now or have been parents, um, what about the, the statement of clean your room or take a shower? It's pretty self-explanatory, right? It doesn't need any other explanation. But those of you that parents know that's not enough, right? That when you say take a shower, that sometimes you have to say that means you will take off all of your clothes you will get into the water. You will take out soap. I mean, you have to, you have to go uh, step by step with that. Our, uh, our uh, worship leader up here, Ben Patat, who's awesome. Uh, I've known Ben uh, most of his life since he was a little, tiny, normal-sized human being without a beard. And, uh, and Ben's mom will tell you that, that when, uh, when they got a pool put into their yard, that Ben thought that if he went and swam in the pool, he was clean. He didn't need soap. He didn't need all that kind of stuff. She had to say to him, no, you got to do that. Or, or if you tell a kid to clean your room, that's not enough. You have to say, you will pick up all of the, uh, the clothes on the floor. You will put them into the dirty clothes hamper in the washroom. You have to tell all those steps, right? Because we need some explanation. Jesus is treating us here. Like children. And you know how I know that? Because look at John 13, 33. What does he say in John 13, 33? He calls us, he begins by he addressing us, he says, little children. So he's telling the disciples here, listen, you're like my children. I understand that if I tell you to love one another, that's not enough. I need to give you the explanation behind that. And the standard of how we're to love one another is that we love like Jesus. It's not just that we love like ourselves because naturally I'm not going to love like Jesus because it doesn't come natural to me. And so the, the thing that we need to ask ourselves is if Jesus has commanded us that we must love one another and that we must do that the way Jesus loved us, what's the next question we should ask? How does Jesus love us? How did Jesus love the disciples? How does Jesus love us? Well, one thing about the love of Jesus is the love of Jesus is unconditional. The love of Jesus is unconditional. He doesn't love us or anybody. He doesn't love us based on our social status. He doesn't, doesn't love us based on if we're related to Him or not. He doesn't love us based on how much money we have, how heavy or thin we are, what our IQ is, what school we went to, graduated from, pulled for, whatever. He doesn't love us based on any of those things. He loves us based on who He is. He loves us based on His character and His nature which never changes. Now, I want you to make sure you're paying attention to this because this is so important for us to understand about how great the love of God is. So if you're, if you're zoned out, zone back in just for a minute and pay attention. This is why, because the fact that, that Jesus' love is unconditional and it's based on who He is and He never changes, this is why no matter what you do, no matter what stupid, sinful choices you make in your life, it cannot separate you from God's love. That it can, it, you cannot do anything to keep Him from loving you. Has anybody in here other than me done something sinful? Anybody in here other than me done something stupid? And sometimes maybe, maybe those things are so bad that, that really, if you look at it, we don't really deserve love. 
I know I've done things in my life and you've done things in your life that if you looked at it, that, that from the outside somebody would say, if someone doesn't deserve love, it's that person. But even when we do those things, it cannot separate us from the love of God because the love of Jesus is unconditional because it's not based on what we do or don't do. It's based on who He is and that never changes. See, we change. We change, we, we, we turn our backs on people, we refuse to forgive people, we do things to intentionally hurt people, we do things to intentionally hurt ourselves, we do all of these things and, and, the, and, and we're constantly in an uproar when it comes to that. But God's character, God's nature is solid, it never changes, it stays exactly the same. So while we're up and down running to God, running away from God, trying to live a sinful life, trying to live a good life, God never changes and His love never changes for us and it's unconditional conditional it is always there jesus loved the disciples unconditionally now let me have a a little sidebar over here just a, a moment to tell you what i'm not saying all right because here's here's something that happens sometimes when people hear that okay jesus loves no matter what so it doesn't matter what i do it doesn't matter if I obey all those old-timey commandments in the Bible. All that stuff about not having sex, that's old-fashioned. I'm not supposed to do that. All that stuff about uh, giving my money, I'm not supposed to do that. That's old-fashioned. I'm just going to kind of live the way I want. And you just said, Cliff, Jesus is going to love me, so it doesn't really matter what I do and I don't do. That could not be further from the truth. And I'll, and I'll give you a story so that you can understand this. If you look in John chapter 8, you don't have to look at it right now, but, but go back later and, and write it in your notes, John chapter 8, and you can read this story later on this afternoon for yourself. There's this story where Jesus was teaching, and, and there were some men who had caught this woman in adultery. And it says they caught her in adultery like it was in the act of adultery. And so they've, they've drug her into the street, now, I don't know why they didn't drag the man into the street because she wasn't committing adultery by herself, and that's a whole other issue for another day. But here's this woman who is in the act of committing adultery. It means she's messing around with somebody who wasn't her husband, and, and, and she was right in the middle of that. And they've drug her into the street, and all the religious guys in the town had picked up rocks and were getting ready to stone her to death, throw rocks at her, hit her with the rocks until she died in the street. And by the Jewish law, they had the right to do that, or at least they thought they did. Jesus comes along and he sees this, and he begins to talk to these guys. And he, he says he kneels down on the ground and begins to write something in the sand. I've always wanted to know what he wrote in the sand. One guy said he thought that what he wrote in the sand was all the sins of the guys holding the rocks, so that they could see that. But, but so he sees this, and he tells the, the, uh, the guys holding the rock something very famous. You've probably heard it if you've heard this story before. Jesus says to them, if any of you be without sin, you throw the first rock. Cast the first stone. So go ahead, stoner. The first one of you that throws a rock at her, I'll know that you've never sinned before. That's what Jesus is telling them. So what happens? All the guys drop the rocks it's interesting, it says the older ones drop the rocks first than the younger ones because, you know, the younger you are, it seems like the more perfect you think you are and the older you get, you realize you don't know as much as you uh, thought you knew. And so it says they all drop their rocks and they begin to walk away and to go home. And so people will take this, this story out of context and they will use it to support the point to say, hey, look, it doesn't really matter what you do. 
This is an adulterer, and Jesus, he didn't condemn her because he even says at the end, he said, I don't condemn you. But you cannot miss what he says at the very, very end. John 8, 11, he looks at her and he says this, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. There's nothing we can do that can separate us from the love of Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we should go out and do whatever we want because Jesus is telling her, he's telling his disciples, he's telling us, listen, I love you so much. The sacrifice I'm going to make for you on the cross is so important that it should make you not want to do those things. It should make you not want to commit adultery. It should make you want to follow the path that I have laid out for you. And so just because I'm going to love you no matter what you do, that's not a ticket for you to live your life however you choose and tell people it doesn't matter. What that is, that's a way for you to understand how much I love you and for you to turn from that sinful life. Go and sin no more. See, So Jesus loved us unconditionally, which is so different than the way that we love. Uh, We love based on expectations. I mean, it's just the the way we are. We love someone based on what we can get from them or what we uh, anticipate might happen if if we show them love. But Jesus loves us with no expectation. He loves us no matter what. Now, the, the second thing from, from this verse that, that, uh, that, that I notice when we talk about, okay, Jesus, how does Jesus love us? Well, he loves us unconditionally. He also loves us sacrificially. The love of Jesus is sacrificial. The love of Jesus is sacrificial. You know what Jesus had just done in this chapter when he begins to tell them, love one another as I have loved you? He had just spent time washing the disciples' feet, which was a job that normally a servant would do. And here's Jesus bending down. He's, he's the teacher of these guys, so he's like their rabbi. They'd been following him around for three years. This was a job a rabbi would never do. This was a job that, that, uh, that certainly a king would never do, and we know Jesus to be a king. And it says that, that Jesus had spent time washing his disciples' feet. He had, was beginning to show them how to sacrifice. But, but, you know, Jesus lived his whole life sacrificially. Jesus sacrificed time. Have you ever noticed when you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Jesus was never interrupted? Have you ever noticed this? Now, people interrupted him. He'd be on his way somewhere and people would say, hey, you know, come over here, see me, I'm blind, I need you to heal me. Or women, you know, there was a story about a woman coming up and grabbing a hold of him, hoping to be healed in the middle of a crowd. Jesus on the way to do something somewhere. But Jesus wasn't interrupted. He never turned around and looked at these people and said, don't you people know how to make an appointment? Come on, I'm Jesus i got stuff to do. I'm on the way to Jerusalem. What's the matter with y'all? He was never interrupted. He sacrificed his time. Jesus sacrificed money. Don't you think that Jesus could have been the most amazing carpenter ever? That people would have bought his chairs and his tables and stuff and and shipped them around the world? That he could have been the richest guy that ever made wood? You know, I'll tell you a way Jesus could have made a ton of money. Just being a winemaker. Jesus made wine one time in the New Testament. And you know what it says about it? It says it was the best tasting wine anybody had ever tasted. He would have had people coming from all over to get a taste of his wine. He could have made a killing making wine. I mean, he sacrificed money. But the, but the biggest thing that Jesus sacrificed uh, before he gave up his life for us was that, that he sacrificed his rightful place. Jesus was the king of heaven. He, he gave all that up to live here on earth to breathe our air, to, to rub up against people like you and me, dirty, sinful human beings. 
and to hang out with us. And he gave all that up so that he could sacrifice to be with us. And then, of course, the most amazing thing that, that shows us the sacrificial love of Jesus is when he went to the cross. John 15, 13, Jesus says this when he talks about what it meant to go to the cross. He said, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. See, if we're going to live in community with one another, if we're going to really be what a church is meant to be, we're going to live in that community, we've got to learn to sacrifice for one another, to love each other sacrificially. That means that you give up a Saturday to help somebody move or paint someone's porch. It means that you give up sleep to carry somebody to the emergency room in the middle of the night. Or That means that you, you give up uh, a little bit of your money to help someone buy a car or, or pay a bill. Those, those, all those things should happen within the church. Uh, one of the things that should never happen is someone who's involved in a church should never have to go to a government agency to do anything should never have to, to, to hire someone uh, to do something that the church can do for them because we should be living in community with one another and we're helping each other out. We're living that closely that we're sacrificing. I sacrifice for you. You sacrifice for me. But, you know, the reality about us is a lot of times the more sacrificial it gets, that's when we want to pull back. But if you look in the Scripture, the more sacrificial it got for Jesus, that's when he charged ahead. That's when he went headfirst into people's lives, the greater the sacrifice. So we have to love as Jesus loved. The second thing about this verse that I think is really important and that we can't miss is that loving each other is not optional. Loving each other is not optional. Now, I know you're thinking, wait a minute, Cliff. Um, I can't make myself love somebody because we think of love as what? A feeling. And there's some of you that it's real easy for me to love because my feeling about you is great. And then maybe there's others. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. I'm just thinking of people in general, all right? I'm afraid I'm going to look at somebody and they're going to say, Cliff was talking about me today. But there's others, there's others that, that, let's just be honest, loving you is hard because you're hard to be around, right? But loving each other is not an option. Look at what Jesus said there in verse 34. He says, a new, say it with me, commandment. Say it again, a new what? Commandment. I give to you that you love one another. It's not a suggestion. It's not even a strategy. It's a commandment. Jesus is saying there, I have the authority to make commandments because I'm God. And I'm going to give you one here. This goes right along with the ten that you got in the Old Testament. It goes right along with any other laws that there are. And he says, here's a commandment I'm giving you. It's a new commandment, and that is that you are to love one another as I have loved you. One of the, the things that concerns me about um, culture today, society today, is where people will have church is just one more part of their life. And so instead of church really being a community of people that you live life on mission together, it's you've got church and then you've got bowling league and booster club and traveling team and uh, flower committee and, you know, whatever it is that you're involved, you've got all these things. And those things are good. I'm not saying any of those things aren't good. But what concerns me is when all of those things become equal with church, 
It's like church is just, well, church is the thing we do on Saturday, and then the other thing that we do on Tuesday night is this, and the thing we do on Friday afternoon is this. And, and, uh, did I say church on Saturday? What church are y'all people going to? Church on Sunday. Football on Saturday, right, in the fall. And so, so church is what we do on Sunday, and that's it. It just stays there on Sunday. That's the only place that it stays. And, and what concerns me about that is that, uh, that this commandment, that we're to love one another. See, that, that should make church different. That, that should make it stand out among all the things in our lives. If you're in a bowling league, which is great, good for you, um, but if you're in a bowling league, the, the only expectation that you have is just to go and knock down pins. That's the expectation. Uh, you're not expected to grieve with those people in the bowling league. You're not expected to to help those people in times of need. You're, you're not expected to, to uh, teach one another in the bowling league about the things of the gospel. None of that's expected. Only, the only expectation is to show up and knock down pins. And if we want to treat church the same as a bowling league where we just show up and knock down a few pins, then we've lost the meaning of it because what the expectation is for church, what Jesus has told his church, what he's commanded us to do is that we're to love one another. We are to grieve together. We are to help one another out. We're to live life together, love one another. That, that displays itself in actions because love is not a feeling. Love is an action. And so if, if that, that should, this, this commandment that Jesus has given us to love one another, it should set that apart. Then every other part of our life, we should understand the, the importance of it and, and why it should be so primary in who we are. Back in um, 1997, that's how long ago it's been, 1997, um, I woke up on uh, Christmas morning and I passed out uh, trying to get in the shower. And then I tried to, to go to the bathroom and I passed out sitting on the toilet. And I realized that I had the flu and it was the worst, sickest I've ever been in my life, so ridiculously sick. And, um, and then uh, that turned into pneumonia. And so I ended up having to go in the hospital. I'm young, healthy, like 27 years old, just unbelievably healthy. And, and I, here I am in the hospital with pneumonia, and I can't hardly breathe, and I feel like I'm going to die and all this kind of stuff. And then after that, I come home, and I, and I had ruptured a disc in my neck, and so I'm recovering from pneumonia, and then I have to have surgery on my neck to repair that. So I went through this period of like uh, eight weeks or so where I was just worth nothing to anybody. And my wife, uh, who, by, by the way, tomorrow we will have been married 24 years, which is awesome. Um, my wife nursed me back to health through all that. And we got done. She said, okay, you're being, you're done being sick. I can't do this ever again. And so I've been healthy ever since for her. And, uh, but, but here's the thing here, here's what was cool during that time. Um, you know, who was coming by to help me, you know who was coming by to bring me things? I had people bringing ice cream to the house. I had people bringing oyster stew to the house. I had, a, I had so many visitors at the hospital that my doctor made the nurses put a sign on the door that said, go away, uh, because I, I wasn't getting any rest because people were coming. You know who those people were? It was people from my church. My neighbors, they're good folks. My neighbors didn't bring anything. They didn't show up. They didn't see how they could help me out. I had people from my church asking Sherry, is there anything we can do around the house? We know Cliff's sick. He's got this messed up neck and he's tired from pneumonia. Is there anything we can do? What can we do to help you out? You know who did that? People from church. Because there was a church that understood that we love one another. 
And love is not a feeling, it's an action. And so that demonstrates itself in doing things for people. Whether they're sick or not sick, that's just a good example for me to tell you that when I was down, uh, the sickest I've ever been in my life, hope I don't ever get there again, that it was the church who was there. Because as a church, we are commanded, not, it's not a suggestion, we are commanded by Jesus to love one another. And here's, the, and here's the most amazing thing about this whole one another to me. Verse 35 says this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, this church here, we do a lot of good stuff. We support new churches in other parts of the state and other parts of the country. We do free events for kids. Uh, we, we try to meet needs. Sometimes we pay people's utility bills and get groceries for folks and do things like that. We've given away school supplies. We've given away tons of backpacks. Uh, we've done all kinds of things, and all those things are good. We support an orphanage. We support a, a place that's di- um, drilling wells for clean water in nations where they don't have clean water. All that stuff is good, and we should not quit any of it. All of it should continue. But you know that the thing that we can do more than anything else that will let people outside these walls, people that need to know Jesus, that will let them know that we're different and that Jesus is important and Jesus is the real way of salvation, it's by the way we treat each other. Jesus says, by this will all people know that you are my disciples. You want the people you work with to know how important Jesus is, yeah, you need to tell them. Definitely do that. Don't, don't uh, keep your mouth shut. But if you really want them to know, you start loving the people in your church. You start loving the people in your life group. You start loving the people that you serve with on Sunday morning. Because what's going to happen is the people that you work with, the people in your neighborhood, they're going to hear about that. They're going to see that in your life. Every time you turn around, you're going to be talking about something that you're doing for someone that you go to church with, and they're going to want some of that. They're going to want to know how they can be a part of that kind of church because that's the kind of church that makes a difference. If we're just going to be a place where we show up, we put rear ends in seats, we listen to Ben do a few songs, you sit and you're trying to be polite listening to me until we go home, and that's it, then we can be guaranteed that we'll never be the church that Jesus commanded us to be because he commanded us to be a church of people that love one another, that make a difference in one another's lives. That is what will get people's attention. This is what I want us to do. Ben's going to come up here, and uh, the band's going to come up in just a minute. And, um, and the way I want us to end today is um, when Ben comes up and, the, and he starts playing and, and uh, all that kind of stuff, I want you just to get with a couple of people there around you. And, uh, and I know you're, some of you are like, man, Cliff, you're making it weird. Hey, I can do whatever I want now. You think it's weird today, it's going to get real weird here in a couple weeks. I got some snakes I'm breaking out. I'm just kidding. Because I'm scared of snakes. Um, This is what I want you to do. Get with a couple of people around you. And I just want you to pray together. And it would be great if it wasn't just your family. So like if there's, you know, maybe one family, you see another one, y'all just jump there together. And, and, uh, and, and here's what I want you to pray about. I want you to pray that 
this church would love each other so much that it would make a difference outside the walls. That it would make a difference with the people you work with. And you know what would be cool? Maybe you even want to tell the, your circle that you want to say, hey, here's a guy that I work with, a lady that I work with. She's just as lost as she can be. She doesn't know who Jesus is. And I want to pray that what happens in this church will make a difference in her life. That we will love each other so much that it will make a difference in that lost person's life that needs Jesus. So go ahead right now, begin praying. Uh, I tell you what, let me pray first. And as, when I'm done praying, y'all jump in there, start praying, and then Ben and the band will lead us in a closing song. He'll give you some time to pray, and when he, he sees you're getting done, uh, the band will start praying. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for the, the truth of your word and how, how words that you spoke so long ago, uh, we need them so much today. God, we need to be a church that loves one another. There are thousands and thousands of people, Father, outside of these walls that need to know your love. And we can demonstrate that by the way we interact, by the way we live in community with each other. And so I pray that you would help me to love the people of this church more. I pray that you would help the people of this church love each other more. That, that we would be a shining example of what it means to love one another. Not just to love one another, but to love each other the way that you have loved us. Unconditionally. Sacrificially. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You pray together.